0: Hello and welcome to another episode of our Brother's Creed podcast where we talk about motivation, experiences,
1: and we explore the world around us. We are the Thomas Brothers and I'm Jared. I'm Ethan. And today on this episode, we're going to be talking about an attribute and then the opposite of that attribute. So today we're going to talk about adaptability or maybe flexibility and then the inverse of that, which is maybe inflexibility or uh, hardheadedness or stubbornness, maybe. Um, There's lots of different kind of opposites and similarities with a lot of the words that we're going to talk about here. Um, But it's going to be great. We're going to get into it. We're going to learn how we can build our creeds. All right, let's, let's dive in and do it.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking I'm
1: back. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. And that, my friends, is called integrity. That's called courage. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.
0: Either you're somebody, or you're nobody.
1: You're not the devil, you're practice.
0: So I, I think that of all the episodes that, well, we do a lot of episodes that are about creed building, but I think this is one specifically that I was re- doing research and I was like, this is like excellent for uh, making goals uh, and uh, and really understanding a dynamic of when to when to be adaptive and when to maybe stick to your guns on things. And in fact, I, Ethan and I were just talking before. When I think about adaptability, I w- you know the opposite may be stubbornness. But maybe someone who's stubborn, maybe they might think that they're being steadfast. Uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about what the, maybe the, some of the differences are between someone who's being steadfast and what they believe versus someone who might be in, being stubborn or bullheaded. Uh, so we can, we can talk about those. But maybe let's just talk about basic definitions first. Uh, being adaptable. Uh, my, the definition that basically... That you know is is generally accepted is that this is the ability to adjust to new conditions and new circumstances, uh, and and whatever that may be. What is your definition, Ethan?
1: Yeah, it was the the ability to adjust and thrive in challenge or in changing circumstances. Um, these people are kind of people who are adaptable, or flexible, open minded, willing to learn and change. And to adopt new things, yeah, I think sometimes it, uh, in nature
0: we see adaptability quite often. Uh, in you know evolution, uh, as people and animals live in certain areas, they develop, they adapt to uh, certain uh, genetically to the to that area. So there's a
1: whole. I thought, re- I, thought I thought another thing that was interesting too about adaptability is that uh, people that are that are adaptable they are not really easily stressed out by their environment or unforeseen or events or changes in their environment. They're quick to ab- adapt to new situations. Mm-hmm. And so even just kind of that person in general maybe is not as high-strung or mm-hmm. is not as uh, maybe more of a go-with-the-flow type of person. Yeah,
0: that's true. I mean, if there's one thing you can count on, it's it's going to be change, right? You yep. can count that. You can count on change happening. Uh, that death and taxes uh, are, are <laughs> the things you can count on in this life. Uh, I had a, a story of adaptability that I thought was re- was really poignant and cool. Uh, do you remember this company called Blockbuster?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I. Yeah, uh, if I pull back in the the memories far enough, yeah.
0: Tell me about for those listeners. I think I, I think
1: I might be able to find a blockbuster card in one of my wallets.
0: <laughs> yeah, from, high, from
1: college. No, no, it was Hollywood Video. Hollywood
0: Video. Yeah. Uh, t- tell our listeners out there who may be uh, in the younger generation what blockbuster is.
1: Yeah, so it was a, a a video rental store. So it was a physical store that you would go to, and you would have to rent. You would have like a a card or whatever. You'd pay three fifty four. I don't know five bucks. However much it was to rent, either uh, a DVD, which was kind of our generation time, mm-hmm. or a little bit before was VHSs, mm-hmm. and then you'd take it home, and you would uh, put it in your player, and you'd watch it, and then whenever you're finished watching it, I think you had like three days or something like that to watch it, and then return it, and you'd have to yeah. take it back to the store, and they had these drop boxes where you'd go and drop it, and if you were late, then you had to pay late fees, and... And, and it's like, uh, yeah.
0: And, it, and then on the old school, remember, be kind, please rewind. Yeah. If you were a kind person, you know, if you were the kind of person that puts their shopping cart away in the, car, in the cart corral,
1: uh, you would rewind the, the
0: VHS tape for the next guy.
1: Yeah, and then we had one of those little uh, VHS rewinders, the car. Oh, yeah. Where it was just the whole thing was just to rewind your VS. You'd stick it in this little thing and push it down. It looked like a car. And, go, and it would just rewind it really fast.
0: And then it'd go click at the end. You're like, man, I'm surprised it doesn't jerk that, yeah. uh, that tape off of that little thing. You know, I was always surprised that that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so Blockbuster was the bee's knees uh, for a very long time. Uh, but in the early 2000s, a small startup company called, I think it's pronounced Netflix, uh, mm-hmm. they started up. And uh, Blockbuster was like, uh, in fact, during that time, uh, the CEO, uh, Jim Keyes of Blockbuster at the time said, I've, he, quote, I've been frankly confused by the fascination that everybody has with Netflix. Netflix doesn't really have or do anything that we can't or don't already do ourselves. So Netflix had a really interesting model in that you could basically go on their website and you could say, "Oh, I want to rent uh what movie came out in the, the mid 2000s?" I don't know. Let's see. Oh, I want to rent uh, uh uh what was that uh the asteroid movie where they go to um Armageddon. Armage- I want uh, to rent Armageddon and so you go on the website and you click Armageddon and then you click you know a couple other movies uh, you know Georgia the Jungle and The Mummy uh, and then they send it to you in the mail DVDs in the mail and then you can watch them as many times as you want there's no late fees you just send it back whenever you're ready and whenever you send it, and you, like you you get paid based off of different tiers so it's super easy you Write it to your mailbox you order movies send it back uh, send it to your house you get it in the mail watch the movies no late fees just eventually send it back and then once they receive it back, you can rent more movies. Uh, Blockbuster really didn't catch on to this, and then, uh, but they were hurting. Uh, and then, when streaming came out, it was like the death blow uh, to to Blockbuster, and Blockbuster went bankrupt. and And at the end, really, they they refused to adapt uh, to the times, and that it took them under. I, I saw a quote from Forbes magazine that says the irony is that Blockbuster failed because its leadership had built built a well-oiled operational machine. It was a very tight network that could execute with extreme efficiency, but poorly suited to let in new information. So they were so focused, so hyper-focused on staying the course and on their operations and their efficiencies therein that they didn't adapt to new information and the new ways of of streaming and the new market and this new mailing, and they uh, went under because of it. So... Uh, I think that's a a great example uh, of how being inflexible or not being willing to adapt can be to your detriment and can ultimately uh, be to your downfall. But I want to come back to this story uh, a little bit later and talk about maybe how they could have been adaptable but still be steadfast. I'll talk about that a little bit later.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Every time I think of like adaptability I think of the 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 military slogan of, of adapt improvise and overcome mm-hmm. that's just something that <clears throat> that I think about that it, it in uh, emphasizes the importance of kind of being adaptable and flexible in challenging situations and it encourages soldiers to to be creative and flexible and persistent in solving problems that they're faced with yeah. And so it was interesting that there's this one story uh, during the Korean War, which was in the 1950s. The uh, American troops were facing a very difficult challenge in combat with the North Korean and Chinese forces. So North Korea and China, they had so many soldiers. They just had tons of soldiers. And so they developed this tactic that they called human wave attacks. And so basically they would just send mass numbers, like in the thousands of soldiers, just charging all the, the American positions all at one time. And it would completely overwhelm the American forces just by their sheer number i mean these american soldiers were trained in uh, 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 infantry tactics and relying on small arms maybe some artillery fire but there was just so many people that they they could just shoot into the crowd and and it wouldn't it almost wouldn't do anything yeah um you know there's just another person would fill the hole that, that they just made with their small arms fire yeah and so everything they had all their tactics and everything were completely ineffective against these human wave attacks. So the military, uh, they were thinking really hard, like, how can we overcome this? And in a response to that, they turned to uh, a new weapon that they hadn't used in this war. Uh, It had been previously used in other wars, but was found to be kind of ineffective Uh, And this weapon was the flamethrower. Oh, which military are you referring to? The The United States military. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so they said, let's try, instead of using small arms fire, let's try using, let's try readapting the flamethrower that we used in World War II,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? And that they had just kind of decommissioned because it wasn't that uh, easy. It 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 was for clearing bunkers and stuff, but. Yeah, it was hard to use and it had fallen out of favor. Um, a lot of people kind of perceived it as is inhumane yeah. and kind of risky to carry. Oh yeah, uh, but the American commanders were like, "Hey, let's 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 try this flamethrower," and it immediately changed the situation. The intense heat and flames. Could just quickly neutralize large groups of people. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 it would stop them in their tracks, and it was the weapon that that, that kind of that adaptability and learning. Okay, what works and what doesn't. The, it completely changed the battlefield and um, the kind of how the that specific war was was going. Wow. And so uh, when these North Korean and Chinese soldiers, they became terrified when they became confronted with just walls of flamethrowers, they were being used to to hold back the masses, this human <laughs> human wave. Wow. And they uh, they stopped doing that real quick. <laughs> so I just thought that was a, a really interesting story about kind of adaptability, of of seeing a, a problem. You know, we're just—you can't just keep beating your head against the rock, the the wall, and hoping it changes. Yeah, you gotta change with it. You gotta st- take a step back and say, okay, what can we do different that's gonna help this situation? So I thought that was a cool story.
0: That is a cool story. Yeah, I know that they were like, like the death toll was just sky high. They're like stacking bodies to to shoot behind and frozen bodies. You know, it was just yeah. horrible. I think they call that the don't they call the Korean War the Forgotten War? Because everybody always forgets about it between World War II and Vietnam. I don't know. I think that's what it's called. Uh I'm trying to that remember that makes I think, sense. I think we talked about that in a previous uh podcast. But yeah. So let's talk about I I, I wanna talk I want to hear your thoughts on uh inflexibility before I talk yeah. about my my thought process and in, into uh steadfastness.
1: Yeah, for sure. So inflexibility, I feel, refers to, I mean, exactly the opposite of adaptability, the inability to adjust to changing circumstances. Uh, people that are inflexible or, or rigid or unwilling to change, uh, they can find it challenging to cope with change and might even kind of resist it significantly to their own detriment sometimes. Yeah. Um, now, could could resisting change be a good thing? Uh, I think maybe in certain cases, it possibly yeah. could be. Um, it's but like these maj- people are.
0: I was going to say it's like major banks asking you to fax information in. And I'm like, are you kidding me with this? <laughs> fax? Like, you think I have a fax machine at my house? <laughs>
1: yeah. You're and like, yeah, just send me a, 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 a <laughs> DocuSign. <dude."> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, but
0: so I've been in those situations, and like, you got some boomer on the phone who's like, well, you don't know how to send a fax, uh, you know. And I'm like, lady, you don't know
1: how to send an email?
0: Yeah, seriously. It's like, like cue the condescending tone from the boomer who grew up using the fax machine. Um, yeah, but anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of times companies will say, "Oh, in order to cancel your subscription, you have to send us a fax." And it's just yeah. like they just make it as hard as possible. Oh, yeah. To, uh, but the the people that are inflexible, um. They they're not likely as likely, I'll say, to take risks or to try new things. Uh, They prefer to stick with what they know and what they're comfortable with, which is not always a bad thing. But, you know, uh, I think kind of I think growth is something that is to be encouraged. So you don't want to limit you don't want to limit your growth or your opportunities.
0: Yeah. If you're just inflexible, if you're stuck in the way that you do things, you're never going to have the opportunity to grow, like you said, or experience new things out there. And uh, I think that's that's truly, that can be sad, just like a company can fail, uh, your marriage can fail, Uh, Mm -hmm. your relationship with your kids can fail, if you, you know, lots of people have this kind of generational trauma where, you know, maybe their dad was abusive or something like that, and they grew up in that, uh, and that's just what they know. Uh, and they're not being adaptive, they're not changing their ways they're so then they just keep passing that on uh to the next generation then they abuse their kids and then their kids do, do the same thing so um you know I think being adaptable and like really is almost like taking control of your own life uh and steering that ship as opposed to just letting it letting your uh And I think that letting your habits and letting the person, the character that you've built drive you to some extent is a good thing if that's who you want to be. Yeah. Uh, But if you are just going off of, you know, what your experiences have been and like you're not taking an active role in that, uh, then you're probably headed in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah. Some of the ways that I found that inflexibility really kind of hinders your personal or professional growth or or both, you know, progression would be uh, just stagnation in general. Uh, You just kind of you get into a rut uh, to a certain extent. Um, Missed opportunities. If you're not willing to take risks or to uh, change, then you might miss opportunities. Uh, Limiting your network. A lot of times people are like, I don't want to get to know new people. This is kind of where (laughs) this is me a little bit. Sometimes I don't want to network with anybody or I don't want to, you know, spend the time to, to really get to know people because, you know, I don't know, it's uncomfortable or I don't want to waste my time or whatever it may be. Uh, reducing job satisfaction, that you kind of get that reduced job satisfaction if you just kind of feel like you're stuck. And then it can lead to poor decision-making as well when you're kind of too scared to to change or to try something new. Yeah. And so
0: I think this is a great way to kind of uh, tie this into some of the other thoughts I was thinking. So I think sometimes we look at someone and say, you know this guy is will not change uh, the way that he is sees sees things, or will not change his uh, ideas on this. And we view that as being infle- inflexible. We can view that as being stubborn or bullheaded. Uh, but I think that person that person might think that they're being steadfast in their beliefs, or steadfast in what they know, or steadfast in what they believe. So I want to talk about some of the differences uh, with that. Just to be steadfast means to resolutely or dutifully to be resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. So and I think that's a positive, that can be a very positive attribute, just like yeah, being adaptable sure. can be a positive attribute. So some of the things I thought of, and Nathan, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, maybe you can add to this list. Uh, and then I want to share a story about being steadfast. Uh, but I was thinking of the reasons why you should like you should, re- I think being steadfast is good, but when should you stick to your guns, uh, and, and, and not be adaptable? Uh, and I think that I have a couple reasons here. Uh, one is when the other party is, is not as informed as you are. So if you're, you know, at work and you're talking about a work topic and you're like, Hey, are you, and someone just, that's not even your department comes up to you and says, Hey, you need to do this. And you're like, well, hold on. Uh. That's, that's not what we need to do because I know all this stuff. And so unless you have like a, a full conversation and you understand where that person's coming from and where you're coming from, uh, oftentimes you're going to want to stay steadfast when you feel like you are uh, knowing more. Now, you can have a conversation and learn about how much that person knows. Maybe that person coming over is saying, hey, I'm telling you that you need to do this because your budget of your team just got cut by 50%. And so you're like, hey, that person actually does have more information than me. And it's different. And it's a more it's a it's like a more of a high level of, of information that me knowing the nuances of my job here. That's far below the importance of me cutting of them cutting 50% of you know my department or whatever. And so I feel like when you're in a situation when the amount of when you've opened yourself up and and viewed things objectively at the evidence uh, and weighed them, that is when your belief can change uh, to being more adaptive. Uh, And I I don't think that's not, that doesn't mean you're not steadfast. That is when it's appropriate to be adaptive. Uh, I think also when you're, it's important to be steadfast in a battle that's worth fighting for. Uh, You know, for example, I'm always going to be steadfast in protecting my family. Uh, if someone tries to come and harm my family, I'm not going to give that up. That's a that's, uh, that's a hill I'm willing to die on, and I think that there are other hills uh, that people are willing to die on. Uh, that, you know, honestly for me, um, one of those was uh, the vaccine. Uh, I was not going to take the vaccine, uh, and at one point uh you know, I was iffy at my work. Uh, They were telling everybody to do it. They were paying people thousands of dollars to get the vaccine. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. Uh, And so I had to consider, like, am I willing to lose my job over not getting the vaccine? And I was like, I'm not going to take orders or be strong-armed by the government into injecting myself with something I don't think I need. Uh, And so that was something that was uh, worth fighting for and remaining steadfast for me. And, you know, for other people, maybe not, but for me, it was. Uh, And, so I think that's one of the importance of, of of being steadfast. It's like if you have a true belief in something and you're worth fighting for, uh, then stick to that. Uh, and then I think that when with that is kind of if something goes against your personal beliefs or your personal creed, uh, then it's worth being steadfast in that belief in that creed. Anything else yeah. you else? Will you add when to be steadfast versus uh, adaptable?
1: Yeah, um, I mean. I'll just say, I think that there's, you gave some great times where maybe, maybe being inflexible and inflexible has a a negative connotation to it. So steadfast maybe sounds better, but I think inflexible is, is okay to say there as well would be, yeah, things of, I I think maybe certain things of moral character, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be flexible when it comes to my moral character. I've made decisions on things that I'm okay with and that I'm not okay with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those are um, maybe ethical things or whatever else that don't need to be, I don't need to adapt to a new something. So maybe that or maybe certain religious beliefs as well that are, uh, you know, not, not changing, um, that are steadfast. Uh, I think you, you don't need to, um, you know, constantly be changing when it comes to that. Uh and then, you know, I I agree with you wholeheartedly about just uh knowing when to to put the foot down and to say for me this is not what is right for myself or for my family or whatever it, it might be. Yeah. And so this is a a, a Crazy one-off story, but uh, I don't know why it's coming to my head. But I, I watched this YouTube video about this guy who was a Green Beret, and he did like four tours in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and this was, you know, years ago, but I think four or five years ago uh, now. But uh, it, part of the the jobs of the Green Berets was to uh, train local. Uh, Iraqi soldiers and police. And so uh, one of their operations, I mean, they were training this group of Iraqi police officers for like months. And every morning the the, the 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 local police would come in and they would come to the front of the base and they would check in their cars and everything and then they would, would come in for training. Well, one day they came and they had like different cars which he was kind of like uh oh, that's kind of weird and one of the cars was a a, a Toyota Tacoma technical with a yeah with machine gun on back the back of it yeah and they were like okay he he kind of thought okay well whatever you know maybe they're just trying to you know switch things up or something well so they're getting there they're sitting in the middle of the base they, they pull the cars up and everybody gets in formation and out of nowhere one of these Iraqi police officers or officers that they've been training for months hops up in the back of this technical truck and racks the machine gun and just starts laying people down oh, um, soldiers on the inside of the, the military base. And so everybody's scrambling and running back and forth. And this one guy, he got shot in the leg like three times and he's bleeding out and he's telling a story and everything. And, um, he, uh, he lost his leg and, and what is, is what ended up happening. And he almost died. I mean, he was in the hospital for a year and he is actually the only currently still active and deployed. And this is a couple years ago, but active and still went on deployment with an amputation above the knee. He's mm-hmm. the only soldier to exist to have an amputation above the knee and still actively be deployed as as a, a interesting a Green Bray. He was a Green Bray. And so one of the questions he asked is he was like, he got asked by this interviewer was like, Hey, do you like hate this guy that betrayed you and you like this friend that you thought was a friend and that betrayed you and everything else? and he goes you know i had really hard feelings i wanted to find that guy and well well actually they killed the guy i'm sure they did but he's like you know in order to to save the people that somebody shot him yeah but um he's like i wanted to just man just i hope that guy was just rotting and everything else and and then he said he learned a little bit more about it and he said the taliban what their tactic was is they would find these people these police officers and military that worked with that were training with the soldiers they would break into their house at two o'clock in the morning. They'd round up all their family, all their kids, their wives, or their wife, mm-hmm. and he would. They would say, uh, "They would say, I am. Um, you have two. Ch- you have two options. You can do this, which is you can take this technical machine gun into the base and kill as many people as possible. You're going to die if you do that. Uh, if you do, then we will take care of your family for the rest of their lives. They will not have to worry about anything." Which is a promise that the Taliban almost always fulfilled. And so it was a strong promise. They knew that that would happen. And, and they said, or you can uh, we will brutalize your family in front of you, murder them, and then we will murder you. And we will not be we will be slow uh, slow about it.. Hmm. And so he was like, I'm this this American guy, the Green Bray, he was like, I'm a family man he's like I love my family and I would do anything for my family and he goes if I put myself in the same shoes as that guy to be completely honest he goes I would have made the same decision jeez and um and so it's it's just interesting you know I don't know how that particularly applies to being inflexible but you know or or adaptable but sometimes you you think that you're, you're put in these situations where you just have to make a choice. I think sometimes like
0: maybe there's like a higher need
1: uh that, yeah. or like a higher principle that you're,
0: obviously the love of your country, love of your fellow men, but perhaps the love of your family trumps that.
1: Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, do I want, you know, to these people to, my family to suffer or someone else to suffer and um is, is being stubborn when you're being, when you're placed between a rock and a hard place of two just terrible decisions. Mm-hmm uh which one do you choose and sometimes you're like well yeah i think i i think i need to be a little flexible here and uh yeah maybe make the decision so it's so, an interesting story
0: yeah it's a it's an interesting story uh so i do have one story that has to do with uh being steadfast so in 2006 ford got a new ceo uh ford motor company uh named Alan Mulally. And he had previously worked with Boeing. Uh, He had helped turn them around. Uh, And he was famous for saying, you know, have a plan, keep it simple and stick to it. So previously, before he joined, Ford had like all these phrases and initiatives, you know, like back to the basics and the way forward and the way forward acceleration, like those were some different plans that they had, like all this stuff that they were trying to turn the company around because the company was not in a good spot. And Uh, Mullally came and he, with a plan that every employee would, would implement. In fact, he printed out, uh, like little cards and he passed it out to everybody from the C-suite all the way down to the factory workers. Uh, this is what we do. This is our plan. These four objectives are what we are all about. Anything that is like not under these four objectives, don't do it. And, uh, he was like, we just needed to be religiously held to a plan. So, the, just to kind of give you an idea what this plan is, it was four points. First one was aggressively restructure to operate profitably at the current demand and changing model mix. The next one was accelerate development of new products our customers want and value. The next one was finance our plan and improve our balance sheet. And the next one was work together effectively as one team. So... After about like six months of this, <laughs> the, not only just the, the employees but the media was getting also blasted with this. You know, shareholders and this kind of stuff. After about six months of this, people were getting getting sick of hearing these four points. He would literally open the meetings with it, any shareholder meetings, any town halls, always talking about this. He would just be passing out these cards to everybody. And uh, at an auto show once, uh, a reporter asked him, "Hey, we're getting tired of these same four tenants. Like, can we get something new?" And he said. Kind of replied to him incredulously, but we're still working on this plan. Uh, until we achieve these goals, why would we need any other ones? Uh, and so, uh, during, the, shortly after 2006, you know, the financial crisis hit uh, and the company was in deep trouble. But the company was actually able to, they didn't take any bailout money from the government, like uh, GM, Government Motors. Uh, and the CFO at the time, he actually suggested, they cut spending on new products, which one of their tenants was, uh, you know, it was accelerate development of new products. Our customers want in value. He was going against that. And so uh, he said, let's cut, cut spending so we some could save some cash. And the, uh, the CEO was like, why do we need to cut cash? Like if we cut cash and stop developing new cars, the company has no future without better cars. And, there, what good is that going to do us? So he actually fired the CEO, CFO uh, and he ended up turning the company around and uh, really saved them uh, from basically bankruptcy. So you know at the end it says too, you know, too many organizations try to change course when the going gets tough and resist resisting the temptation to scrap your plan at the first sign of trouble uh, is what you need to do and find a way to make it work. So one of the things I liked about this story is that he was steadfast in the simple principles that he had. Uh, those, those four principles, which were, like he said, keep it simple. Uh, and, and they did adapt some within those. But if you, if your if you're, uh, goal, for example, like going back to the Blockbuster example, if one of Blockbuster's core goals was service, provide entertainment to our clients in the most efficient way possible, then adaptability is built into that goal. And you can be steadfast in your goal while simultaneously being steadfast. Uh, So don't build your goals that are too rigid to where you can't have that adaptability. I think that that also works for like um, beliefs too. Uh, If you have a belief that is strongly held, like I am, uh, you know, if if you have a strongly held belief, maybe the vehicle along the way uh, that is supporting that, uh, let's just say, for example, uh, I think I I was thinking about uh, the Boy Scouts of America. If you're, you're saying, well, my core belief is that boys need to have experiences with other young men, in a safe environment. If that's your core belief, uh, you know, where young men can grow and be with other young men, and you have your kids and and Boy Scouts, then let's just say the Boy Scouts force girls into your troop, then at that point, uh, you should abandon the Boy Scouts. You're not abandoning your goal of your goal and your primary objective was, I want your belief was, I want my young men, my sons to have experiences with other young men and grow in that environment. But the vehicle, let's just say it was Boy Scouts, uh, failed you. And so you should go seek that out elsewhere. So that's, I think, a good example of maybe changing the vehicle and and which are being adaptable to be steadfast in your goal while still holding those core beliefs uh, steadfast. And I think that that is critical in in life. And for me, that was really uh, impactful and thinking about my core beliefs and uh, the vehicles in my life uh, that try to take me uh, to those core beliefs and just thinking about like, are they taking me toward those core beliefs or are they taking me away from those core beliefs? Uh, And so, and how can I be adaptable to change those and and so that I'm more purely trying to achieve my goals and be true to who I think uh, I should be as a dad, as a father, as a man and all that.
1: Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like that the the Ford guy who was just like, you know, w- we're still working on them. Why would we change them? Um, I like that. <clears throat> I mean, to a certain extent, being being steadfast, but maybe being adaptable to change the vehicle of how you're going to achieve those goals. So yeah, yeah, I I, I think that's awesome. So uh, on in this episode, we've talked about adaptability, inflexibility, stubbornness, hardheadedness. Uh, but at the same point, steadfast. And I think there's positives and negatives to every single one of these in in, in certain amounts. And so uh, for all of the, the listeners out there, maybe you might have to listen to this episode twice to figure out what uh, how much of each one of these things that you need uh, for building your own personal creed. But I know that I will definitely be implementing... Some some strategies about adapting and also maybe being a little bit uh steadfast in some of the other things that that uh that are in my life. But always having an, an idea of of you know progression. Yeah, I think. Because I think you can progress whether you are adapting or sometimes progression takes hard headedness and just stubborn and, and just putting your head down and pushing through. So, yeah. uh, so this has been a really great episode.
0: Yeah, I think that just uh, you know, make your goals uh and your be steadfast in your goals. Uh, but make your goals, uh, just general enough to where you can have some adaptability in there. Uh, and uh, and that way you can be both steadfast in your goals and you can be adaptable. <laughs> Yeah. So. But yeah, implement the best of both of them. Exactly. That's what you got to be. So, thanks all for joining. Appreciate your uh your time today. And if we can ask you to please leave a comment uh on our uh on wherever you listen, uh whether that's Apple Podcast or or Spotify or whatever, just uh give us a rating, leave us a comment. We'd love to see that and it helps us with the rankings and so you might notice we don't have any ads on this on these episodes, but we do ask that you kind of uh, promote us a little bit, uh, share uh, share uh, share some social media. We are on Instagram and TikTok, and so we we love to hear your feedback and as well as uh, what episodes you like, what topics you like. Uh, we I'd, like, I'd love to get more a little more feedback from our from our audience. I know we got people listening, uh, but it's good to hear some feedback and uh, and we can always adapt and and do what folks are are, are wanting more
1: of. So we're happy to do that. All right, well, let's build that creed together. Let's do it.